Scofflaws is a show about the history of crime, criminals, and the investigation thereof. There may be discussion of adult themes and generally icky stuff. Also, neither host is a legal professional, and this show does not contain any legal advice. Remember, crime doesn't pay. Unless you're really good at it. Hello, and welcome to the Scoff Laws, a history of law and disorder. My name is Sean, and joining me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Kate. Say hi, Kate. Hi, Kate. So, Kate, I have some shocking medical news. Oh, dear God, what? It turns out driving around for half a week in a car with no heat in January will get you sick. Oh, especially with the, like, week that we've had as far as cold and snow goes. Yeah. I believe it. The fan in my car decided that it was a good time to just shit the bed for the I'm coldest su- week of the of the winter so far. I mean, I'm not surprised because I'm surprised your car is still running, but that's a different it's not, story. It's not that old. It's just an 05. It's older than my car. The car I had before it was a 1995. That's the year I was born. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't any spring chicken. Did I ever tell you about how that car died? No. I was on the highway, and all of a sudden I hear a big thunking noise. My check engine and oil light come on, and I have to call my dad to come pick me up from the highway. It turns out that one of the piston rods snapped off and impaled the oil pan. Oh, dear God. That's awful. Yeah, Yeah, well... Could have been worse. Could have impaled the dashboard. Yeah, that is is very true. But either way, that meant the car was done. Alright. So, also, I got a new mic, so I sound better, I hope. Yes, you do sound better. (laughs) It will be much, much better in editing out all the pops and whistles from from your headphone mic just grazing your shirt. Yep. So, uh, listeners, this is not a sponsor, but I've got the Blue Snowball mic, which is a relatively cheap mic off of Amazon that's really good quality, and it's actually really good for podcasting and streaming. So, like, if you're doing Twitch streams and stuff. Yeah, and just since we're airing that all out here, I have a Florian BM-800. Um... I haven't had any problems with it. You guys haven't told me you've had any problems with it. It's what we used to record the live show that we did. Yeah, and that was fun. All right, so what are we talking about today? Well, since the day that we're recording this is Martin Luther King Jr. Day observed here in the United States, we're talking about civil disobedience. All right, cool. Uh, that sounds like an appropriate topic. Let's talk about civil disobedience. Uh, so, according to the Oxford Encyclopedia, not the Oxford Encyclopedia, but the uh, Encyclopedia Britannica, uh, it is, I quote, the refusal to obey the 
demands or commands of a government or occupying power without resorting to violence or effective or active measures of opposition. So just just saying, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, and it's uh, it's also classified as passive resistance. So it got its start not in the civil rights movement of the United States. I know we have a few UK listeners, so frame of reference. It didn't actually start with the uh, the civil rights movement of the United States. The concept has been around since Cicero. The suburb of Chicago? No. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the Roman dude. The Roman dude. He was... And the Roman dude. He was a great orator in ancient Rome. I just can't place him past that at the top of my head. Um, <laughs> so he kind of... He started the idea of it, um, and then... John Locke was a, a big fan of it, as was uh, Henry David Thoreau. Fun fact, my favorite uh, transcendentalist. And uh, the way that we see it today is mostly created by Gandhi in India. Yeah. No, uh, now, Gandhi is one of those those figures that always seems displaced in time for me. Like, I can never, like, remember, like, when he's from exactly. Well, it's it's weird because he did a lot of his work in the early 20th century. So in 1906 is when he really coined the term. And uh, he did that uh, in South Africa and then moved to India. He's an Indian man who lived in South Africa, did some work there, and then moved to back to India and did... His nonviolent work there. Okay, so him and uh, who else? Um, him as a real figure and Sherlock Holmes as like a like a fictional figure. I can never like remember that they're that recent. Yeah, well, Sherlock is a little less recent than Gandhi. Gandhi, for frame of reference, comes after Sherlock. Sherlock, think of Queen Victoria. He existed at the end of Victoria's reign. And then uh, Gandhi, most of his work was done Edwardian and on. So Gandhi is 20th century. Okay, so so to eludite our listeners, what was Gandhi civilly disobedient for? He was a nationalist. So a lot of Africa and India at the time was owned by England. Woo! Um, And... He was for the movement to uh, have these countries be independent, not just annexed and owned by imperialist countries, because colonialism. Uh, so they these nonviolent movements, hunger strikes, things like that, were a big proponent of the nationalist movement in India, Africa, things like that. And for that cause, he went on the hunger strike that he's so famous for. One of the many. He often went on hunger strikes. Uh, But also, civil disobedience in the United States was used for labor movements and anti-war movements. Uh, So the most common civil disobedience that most people can think of 
is protesting. So it's not against the law. Civil disobedience isn't against the law. It's against the set of cultural norms that are put in place. So the sit-ins at the lunch counters uh, throughout the South when they were integrating white-only lunch counters, that wasn't against the law. It just wasn't a part of the accepted social mores of the time. Ah, God. And and again, just, I know we brought this up in the last episode, but my dad was in high school when high schools were desegregated. So that's just how recent that all was. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So another quote from the Encyclopedia Britannica says that civil disobedience is a symbolic or ritualistic violation of the law rather than a rejection of the system as a whole. So the goal is to set a moral example or... um, you're the the idea is also to protest perceived crime uh by the oppressing power or the government okay so we we have gandhi we have martin luther king we have cicero who we have vaguely defined (laughs) Uh, oh vaguely defined cicero the greatest of the unknowns well he's not super unknown like he was a a really popular orator. A lot of the works that we have um, in ancient Rome are transcribed from his speeches. Uh, he's really cool. Uh, it's just but I for don't... the sake of this podcast, he is represented by a dude in a toga with a oval with a question mark in it for a face. Can you have Trey come up with that illustration? Sure. <laughs> Um, so the biggest thing that to hammer home about civil disobedience is that it's nonviolent. Uh, so an example of something that is not considered civil disobedience would be the Stonewall, quote unquote, riots uh, in New York. Uh, we'll do an episode on that in the future, but that was a uh, when the police raided a. Uh, a nightclub for trans people and uh, gay people in New York City and uh, caused a lot of destruction and the people fought back. That's not civil disobedience. Civil disobedience is the march to Selma. It's the march to Washington, D.C. It's the I have a dream speech. Uh, It's doing things that don't require violence. Martin Luther King was often arrested for his civil disobedience. So it's not like, it's not like it's not a risk, but it's a a thing. Sorry, I got soapboxy for a second. (laughs) No, no, that's, that's the thing you got that people who complain about it don't realize is that, you know, it's. Not to get too political about it, but I have seen plenty of uh, tweets and stuff where people are like, Martin Luther King wouldn't have supported the civil disobedience of today. He was a paragon of yada, yada, yada. But no, he got arrested. Ten times. He made conscious choices to be a bother to people that were upholding a power structure he didn't like. And also, side note, small tangent, uh, it has been proven in a court of law, that the United States government manufactured Martin Luther King Jr.'s death. That they were involved in his murder. Let that sink in. That is a consequence of such a great movement. 
but like also be social change because that's super important. All right, so we're getting pretty close to modern time with uh with Martin Luther King. Yeah, so that was uh sixty eight, but the civil rights movement didn't end with his death. Did I lose you? Uh, did you lose me? Uh, you you blanked out for a second. You were saying? Oh, I said uh, Martin Luther King didn't his death didn't mark the end of the civil rights movement. It ke- it keeps going even today. Um, for instance. Uh, black women, so it's a common known fact that women make 78% of a man's full dollar. Um, black women make about 60%. So keep that in mind, like, the, the, we're still fighting for racial equality, and that's why intersectionality is so important, not just with um, racial inequality, but gender inequality, uh, sexual inequality as far as sexual orientation. So civil disobedience has been a really integral part of the LGBT rights movement. Pride parades started as civil disobedience. Pride parades were not sanctioned by their governments. Um, so that's a form of civil disobedience as well. Well, it started as, well, I suppose it's still in some places, but at least the, the ones that I've seen, it's also just a really big party. Yeah, now it is. Now it's a yeah. huge party, huge celebration. Yeah, that's also civil disobedience can be a huge party. That's totally fine. But like, as all what marks it is that it's not violent. And I'm not condoning nonviolence for everything. I think violence has its place. But civil disobedience and is inherently nonviolent. And as soon as it gets violent, then that is your. Re- you're taking out the civil disobedience part of it and you're turning it to something more. All right. Are there any, any other examples you want to make mention of? Yeah. So if you, I don't remember, like if you think about the protesting for the Vietnam war. So if you look at that and you look at that famous image of the woman putting the flower in the barrel of the gun of the, the mob squad, or whatever they're called. Uh, That is a form of civil disobedience. Uh, I think I've exhausted most other forms of civil disobedience. Because you can only say so much on it. And I've said it a lot this episode. (laughs) Oh, right on. Uh, Yeah, might as well be a shorter episode today, I guess. (laughs) It is a a holiday. It is. And I'm going to go see a movie, so... Oh, what movie are you seeing? Uh, I haven't decided. I'm either going to see On the Basis of Sex, which is by, uh, or which is about Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her fight for uh, gender equality uh, in the 70s by taking on a man's case. Or I'm going to see Mary Queen of Scots, which is about Mary Queen of Scots and her rivalry with Queen Elizabeth. So I'm like totally staying on brand. <laughs> the last movie I saw was Into the Spider-Verse. I want to see that. I just haven't gotten the opportunity yet. And these other two I'm seeing for work, so it's fine. <laughs> it's really good. Oh, I know. <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything for you or any listeners. Uh, but it's good. They got Nicolas Cage as a Spider-Man. 
Yes, they also got John Mulaney as the spider pig. <laughs> that's who that was. Yeah, and that's my favorite. Oh my gosh, John Mulaney. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, John Mulaney is my freaking comedy icon. I love him and I love Eliza Scherzinger because I'm a millennial. And I just love them both. And I think their comedy is genius. And the story of how John Mulaney got the part in Spider-Man is really funny. They just kind of showed up at his house and grabbed him and, like, told him to record the show or the movie. And they said, just have fun with it. So he just started swearing on mic <laughs> for a children's movie. <laughs> Uh, they they draw Spider-Ham to look like Hampton J. Pig in a Spider-Man costume. Spider-Ham, I think that's kind of great. Didn't Spider-Man have his, Spider-Ham have his own comic? Yeah, he had a whole cartoon universe. Um, I think Captain America, the Captain America analog was a turtle. Venom was like a wild boar. Um... I could look it up, but no, it's it was it was just like a a barnyard animal posse of of Marvel superheroes. I am here for that. At least one of them was a duck, but I can't remember which one. <laughs> All right, well, <laughs> let me pull up the uh, dumb law here. While I'm doing that, if you'd like to add to this conversation, you can email us at scofflawspodcast at gmail dot com. Or follow us on Facebook at Scofflaw's History of Lawn Disorder or Scofflaw's A History of Lawn Disorder. Or you can hit us up on Twitter at Scofflaw's Cast. Um, our Patreon is still looking for that first lucky donor at uh, patreon.com slash scofflaws. And, okay, so here we go. Um, out of Washington, the state, not the District of Columbia, the harassing of Bigfoot sasquatch or other undiscovered subspecies is a felony punishable by fine and or imprisonment sean that is the best law you have ever found (laughs) yeah no you you can't you can't bother the cryptids in washington that makes so much sense why twilight is placed in washington Oh God! Yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a it's a long, long law here that they have written out, and it basically just is to say, don't don't fuck with Bigfoot, yo. <laughs> All Put right. that on a t-shirt. All right. Okay, can we one. sell t-shirts that that on it? Because now that's my favorite. Don't fuck with Bigfoot, yo. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Alright, this has been Scofflaw's History of Wand Disorder. My name is Sean. This has been Kate. Say bye, Kate. Bye, Kate. Just too much feet, your feet's too big.
Don't want your cause your feet's too big.